welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people. The whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit! And this week we have Psalm 30, so please follow along as I read now. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up. This is a psalm of David, a song at the the dedication of the temple. And have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's take another moment to pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would give us now your spirit of illumination, that we would understand this part of your holy scriptures, the very word of God. Father, would we sing with David in our need and our help. Thank you, Lord, that you are pleased to have us come to you messy in our sin, confident at the same time that Jesus has paid our debt. Father, this is a needy period in our lives and in our world. We need a ton of help. Would we receive from you the help that we need? Even now, we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Speaking of the podcast, I was talking with Steve Huber this past week, and I mentioned to him there that earlier on in pandemic, especially last spring and summer, for me as a church leader, I felt vision poor. When it came to our church, Liberty Church Collingswood, I was thinking, what do we do? Where do we go? I went back and checked my business card, and it says lead pastor on it, and I thought, I better start to have some ideas about what we're supposed to do as a church, but I got nothing right now. Let's just try to persist and tread water and see what God has for us in this difficult season. That's how I felt, and other staff consistory, all of you have done an awesome job throughout this pandemic of keeping and even growing our church through these really weird seasons. But over these months, I feel like God has met me, and I'm not vision poor anymore. We're looking at a relaunch. At some time, Lord willing, during this calendar year, 
let's not call it a reopening. Let's not call it a regathering. It's going to be different baselines, a different world. Let's embrace that and relaunch the mission of our church here. It's going to be great. I'm excited about it. And that's not to say that I have clarity on every single thing. The challenges are going to be there. Here's a statistic that you can try on for size. A church research group has concluded a lot of surveys, a lot of statistics that in 2020, it sure looks like in America, one in five adults has left the church. Think about that. 20%. One in five adults, it seems like, has left the church and may not come back as churches around the country regather. So there are challenges ahead for sure. But this is why I'm excited for a new series of mission, because I perceive that people are going to need help. People are going to need help. We recognize that. And at one level, you can say that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is all about the help that God has for us in Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth himself said, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Our triune God is not a God chiefly for people that have it all together. In fact, the opposite. Our gracious God is a God for those that are shaken and beat up and bruised and, in the language of the scriptures, sinners. But that's good news for us because we are going to emerge out of this pandemic, however it happens, whenever it happens, bruised. But God can meet us with health. And it's the case that around the world and throughout the ages, and the darkest periods of time, that's when the light of Jesus Christ shines the brightest. Jesus, would you shine and work powerfully here and in the near future, and then the here and now, as we take a few minutes to reflect upon Psalm 30, a psalm of David, a song of help. And let's consider this psalm in three parts from here. We're going to talk about singing for help. We're going to talk about problems along the way. And then we're going to talk about finding our anchor in Jesus. So singing for help, problems along the way, and anchoring in Jesus. Singing for help. The Psalms are songs. The Psalms are songs. These 150 Psalms, God's ancient people, the Israelites, this was their hymn book. And whether in ancient times or modern times, whether in the Judaic tradition or the Christian one, these psalms are sung, which makes all the sense in the world, and it's a great starting point, a great access point in our need and in our distress. Let's sing about it. So many song traditions around the world marry hardship and heartache and distress and need to song. That's what David is doing here. David has been low. Verse 1, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, verse 2, and you have healed me. Or verse 10, O Lord, hear and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. So if you're somebody that's watching here this morning, you're not sure where you are with God. Maybe you're struggling with the whole idea of God. You're not sure where you stand or where you are. This is a great access point for you. God, if you're there, would you help? Because I need it. And the church of Jesus Christ around the world, by God's design, we are to be a people united in need. We are to be a people united in our neediness. 
we don't have it all together and we need help and we can be honest about that. We can be transparent about that before God and before one another. The missional call of the church must never be to those outside the church, come and be good like we are good. That's a stereotype of what the church is called to say and proclaim and live out. Not come and be good like we are good, but instead, hey, we're all united in being really messed up. Let us seek grace in Jesus together because we all need it, no matter who you are. And I believe that the call missionally of the gospel of Jesus to the world is compelling in what it offers and what it promises. One vista into that is the end of the psalm, verses 11 and 12. What is God's goal for humanity? David says here, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. What is God's invitation for us? A life full of joy and peace under God forever. A life full of joy and peace under God forever. And God is in the business of translating our deep sadness into abiding gladness. Translating our deep sadness into abiding gladness. God is pleased to do such a thing. What are human beings for? What are we supposed to do with ourselves? What is this life all about for us? We don't often ask that question, but it takes courage to do so, and around the world and throughout the ages once again, our brightest lights have pondered this question. In the ancient world, for example, what are we for? How should we live? And various answers have been given. Well, live a life of, moder of moderation, or live a life of resignation, or live a life of escapism, or here in the West, at earlier, at earlier periods, well, just do your duty or maximize the good or adhere to a certain set of values. I was on a pastor's cohort for the Liberty Network this past week, and we were talking about how it feels like the virtue of our age right now is expressive individualism. Just be yourself. And one of my issues with that is that it doesn't take you as far as you might think. Be yourself. Express yourself. And then what? Is it really a goal? kind of like free speech. Free speech is awesome. Should we have free speech? Should we practice it? Yes, but it doesn't answer questions. It doesn't solve anything. It just moves us in the right direction. Okay, we have free speech. Now what? And the Bible gives us the now what in verses 11 and 12. A life of deep joy and peace under God. The missional call of the church of Jesus says dream bigger. And we can wonder, even in my skeptical heart, is it really possible that I can have a life of deep joy and peace under God forever? Is that real? Can I trust it? And because Jesus is crucified and resurrected, the Christian story says, yes, you can, and yes, you must. Put your weight of dependence here. Dream bigger about what God has prepared for us. And as God is at work to translate our sadness into gladness over a period of time, I love verse 5. We see a series of contrasts here. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. A series of contrasts. Anger to favor. 
a moment versus a lifetime, weeping versus joy, tarrying for the night but coming in the morning. As a kid, I was somebody that struggled with nightmares in different periods. I don't think I had nightmares worse than other kids because that would mean that I'm abnormal. I'm not. So I did struggle with nightmares sometimes. And if you're ever in one of those phases, whether as a kid or as a grown-up, you know the relief that comes. Horrible night, lots of nightmares, but morning is here and you can get out of bed even if you're tired, even if you're beaten up. But morning has broken and that's good. We feel relief. God delights in giving us that relief in Jesus Christ. Let me take your weeping, let me take your mourning and turn it over time into joy. And so for you here this morning, what weeping that tarries in the night have you carried into these spaces? Where might you ask the living Lord? God, I need help, not just in a general way, but God, I really need help right here or right there. Would this translation of sadness into gladness be operative by the power of your Holy Spirit, the power of your word, the power of living in community with brothers and sisters? Lord, take me into a different place because I need help. Where might that be? But we also encounter some problems along the way. If God has for us in Jesus a life of deep joy and peace under God, what gets in the way? The answer is we do. We can be our own obstruction as it comes to accessing joy in Jesus Christ because of all of our pride. Verse 6, As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall be never moved. That's the old human condition, pridefulness. We can think, I don't need God. I want to be God. I want to take his place as the center of all things. In my prosperity, I have earned all of this. I have done all of this. I shall never be moved. But that comes with a price tag for ourselves and as we engage with other people. Charles Mingus, one of my favorite 20th century jazz artists, a bass player and composer, put this in the liner notes to one of his albums on Atlantic in the 1950s. How proud he was talking about humanity, considering himself the first to ascend from all fours, pounding his chest and preaching his superiority over the animals still in a prone position. Overcome with self-esteem, he goes out to rule the world, if not the universe, but both his own failure to realize the inevitable emancipation of those he sought to enslave, the upward journey of humanity seemingly inevitably puts other people down, and his greed in attempting to stand on false security, deny him, deny us, not only the right of ever being a man, but finally to destroy him completely. That is who we are. And the interesting thing when it comes to relating to God, it's not our distress that can get in the way of relating to God, but in fact the opposite. It's our prosperity that gets in the way when we can think to ourselves, I already have everything that we need. When we say in the language of verse 6, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved. But you know what? We are not designed, as God has created us, to be these self-sufficient beings that can control and compel our own life outcomes so that we don't need anything. 
And I think one of the really helpful things that has come out in the last year in terms of conversations about systemic racial injustice is that there's a greater understanding that if you have some good things going on in your life, there are a lot of aspects of that. Some of them you earned, others you didn't. And it was given to you by being born in a certain place, maybe of a certain race, and there are all of these benefits accruing to you. If you're in that position, give thanks to God for it. Use those resources generously for other people. But we are not our own islands. We are dependent upon context. We are dependent upon other people. And yes, we are called to be dependent upon God. And so the logic, if you can put it that way, of the divine economy as God relates to us through the lens of this psalm is that if we forget the beginning of verse 7, we receive verse 7's end. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. If we forget that whatever we have in our lives comes to us by God's favor, what happens? You hid your face. I was dismayed. And this is something for us to ponder. God, based on how he has revealed himself to us in the scriptures and in Jesus, will tend to hide himself from people that say, I have it all together. But instead will pursue the people and make himself more real to those that say, I'm a mess. I need help. So we can get in the way of a life of deep joy and peace under God. Another challenge, another problem along the way is that even if God is in the business of translating our sadness into gladness, in the language of verse 5, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning, that takes a long time. And it can be really slow. And woven into Psalm 30, David's song here has some points where David says, God, I'm waiting. I need you to show up, like in verse 8. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. David even goes on in verse 9 to say, What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Is help really ever going to come or not? And sometimes I draw comfort from the fact that God's work of renewal in my life and in the world takes time and takes process, takes duration. But other times, I can get really frustrated and angry or skeptical or doubtful. God, is this real? Why aren't you showing up and doing more sooner? And I believe that such a tension is written into this psalm here. There is a now versus later tension. If if, if at the very end of the psalm in verse 12, we see again that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. God, I'm going to give thanks to you on and on and on and on. But I've just mentioned that David says two verses earlier, a couple verses earlier in verse 9, what profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? God, even if you help me now, will you help me later? Will you help me through death? And this is why we need to find our anchor in Jesus the true singer of this and all the Psalms, the greater David. Jesus was the one that took this Psalm upon himself, singing the songs as the true Israelite. Chiefly, Jesus is the one that says, I am going to live and praise you forever. I am the one that experienced fullness of joy. I am the one that experiences truly and deeply a life of peace under God, the true Israelite. 
and also the true human. Jesus is the one that shows us, and we see in him, ah, I glimpse it. This is what a true human is called and created to be. I see it in Jesus. And scholars of all different stripes of faith or non-faith yet will say when they study ancient literature, Jesus is different as a literary or historical character from all of those other histories, from all of that other literature. Homer, and so for Odysseus or Virgil, they're cardboard cutouts, Beowulf later on. They don't seem like real people, but Jesus does. The true Israelite, the true human, who sang all of the songs of our humanity, all of the songs of Israel, including the songs of disobedience, where Jesus of Nazareth took upon himself the disobedience of God's chosen ancient people, the Israelites, and the disobedience of humanity around the world. On the cross, Jesus sang those songs of disobedience for us. And if David is able to say at the beginning of Psalm 30, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me, on the cross, Jesus is taunted when his foes rejoice over him. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself. And if David is able to say, O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me, on the cross, Jesus takes upon himself another psalm of David, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And on the cross, weeping did not tarry for just one night, but for three. As darkness covered the whole earth, and Jesus was crucified, died, and was buried. But friends, as we confess in the creed week after week after week, on the third day he rose again from the dead and descended into heaven. And what was true of David metaphorically when he said verse 3 of Psalm 30 is true literally of Jesus. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down into the pit. Jesus is resurrected, the true David, the true Israelite, the true human. Jesus has risen again for us. And on that cross where Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. We are forgiven as we come to him by faith. Scholars call that justification. We're given God's Holy Spirit and the power of renewal, the first fruits of God's resurrection life, the new heavens and new earth to come, God's sanctification. And we see because Jesus conquered death, that is a death conquered for us. David muses and wonders, what profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? But in the fullness of Jesus' resurrection and light, the apostle Paul is able to say, reflecting upon Jesus, for to me, to live is Christ. And even to die, to die is gain. And Jesus, not only the true Israelite, not only the true human, but Jesus is very God of very God to us. Not only the greater David, but David's great God. As Jesus brings Yahweh, as Jesus brings our triune, the living Lord, God to us, and says, I am here, I am present, I see your mess, and I love you, and I want to hold you anyway. 
One of the best examples of this that I've found in literature over the years, there's a novel written a few years ago now by Peter Heller called The Painter, and there's a description of love by the main character that he receives from his lover. She drank her coffee and never took her eyes off me. It was odd. I did not feel pinned and wriggling on the wall, scrutinized, never with her. I felt held and fully seen. That is the gaze of God through Jesus Christ upon you if you come to him by faith, held and fully seen. And so we are able to keep singing. We are able, along with David, to say, for his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning as God in stages translates us from sadness into gladness and imports into us a life of deep joy and peace under God because we know that through the cross that is ultimately true for us and we can relax and be content and seek that help. Where for you? Is there one area, God, I need help? Give me verse 5 here and now as we look to the later, and this is where we'll wrap up. This is also our mission. David sings this song to the congregation and in the midst of the nations, verse 4, sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. Liberty Church Collingswood, sing praises of this God. Live this out before other people. Show it in word and in deed. Live and speak and serve as the presence of this God for the sake of the nations and for the glory of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Eh, the odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem, on the same podcast feed, where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later.